Want to be confident when talking about yourself and explaining what you do? Join my free 21-day confidence building course. You'll learn how to construct a personal elevator pitch, learn how to not be awkward in social situations, how to have awesome conversations, among other important skills to help you crush life. Best of all, it's free. Sign up now at freeconfidencecourse.com. From the C Method, my name is Christina Cantors, and this is Stand Out, Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you communicate with confidence and clarity so you can get what you want in business and in life. To subscribe to the show and download the back catalog, go to thecmethod.com slash podcast. Hi there, Rockstar. It's Christina here, and this week we are getting down to business. I am very excited, I can't tell you how excited I am, to be joined on the podcast this week by a very fabulous guest. It's Janine Alice, Boost Juice founder, Uber investor, and all-round super savvy businesswoman. You may also know her as one of the sharks from the TV show Shark Tank. Now, if you've watched Shark Tank, you won't need an introduction for Janine, but if you haven't heard of her, she is an incredibly successful entrepreneur. She founded Boost Juice in 2000 after visiting the US and realizing that there weren't really any healthy and delicious fast food options in Australia. Boost Juice now has over 400 stores in 13 countries and has generated, get this, $2 billion in sales. Now that's a lot of bananas. Three million bananas, to be exact. And and that's just the bananas provided to Australia. Now, just because I bet you're dying to know, my favorite boost juice is the ginger tonic, and it has kale, ginger, spinach, apple, uh, coconut water, and some other delicious ingredients that I can't remember now, but it is really, really yummy. Anyway, I was fortunate enough to see Janine speak at an event run by the Women's Agenda. And after the event, I went up to her and I said hi. And then I quickly threw in a, can I please interview you on my podcast? And she was generous enough to say yes. Now, Janine knows exactly what it takes to run and grow a successful business. And as such, has a lot of wisdom to share. In this interview, we talk about Shark Tank, what makes a successful pitch, Janine's advice for young startups, plus she answers some of your questions. Yes, I asked you all on Facebook what question you would like to ask Janine, and I was able to ask her some of those questions, which was quite cool. If you like this episode, please leave a comment at the show notes at thecmethod.com slash boost. Okay, you ready? Let's go meet the lovely Janine Alice. You must have had a lot of people throwing requests at you at the Women's Agenda Breakfast when we met. Did you do you get asked to do a lot of these speaking gigs? Look, I do, um, and because I've I've done them for a number of years, and I think that sometimes you need to step back and be a bit more fresh with it. So I've probably said no a lot more than I've said said yes. Um, and, but it's sort of like you go. I now at this point where I go, does it interest me? Um, does it, is it for a charity that I, I quite like or, you know, so, you know, how does that, how does that sort of fit for with me? So, you know, there's one that's coming up, which is an entrepreneurial business one and they've got some great speakers and I thought, oh, okay, that's sort of something that's be quite interesting. I'll, you know, do that. So I don't do them that, that often, which is a mm-hmm. double-edged sword, you know, one, you're fresh, but two, by not doing them regularly, you, you become a little, you don't become as sharp. 
So it's it's a it's an interesting one. What's the what's the number one thing that you learn from doing these speaking engagements? Um, that I am um, really good if the audience is is um, engaged, and I'm hopeless if they switch off. So I'm I'm terrible. Like I'll I'll leave a speaking gig either going. I am so good at this or <laughs> why am I doing it that it's just I'm just useless at it. So there's no happy medium for me. I'm sort of either it works or it doesn't work. And I look in, in some respects I'm better off because um, I'm not an actress, I'm not a performer, so I'm better off with question and answers or in a more relaxed environment that I am going, right, lights on, camera, yeah. right. <laughs> we're we're going to walk yeah. across hot coals. <laughs> I know, yes. So it, it's, it is. It's a... Um, I, um, yeah, because I, I think you, you know what you're good at and you know what you, you are. And I think even with Shark Tank, um, the good thing about that is, and the reason I think we all come across okay, is that um, there's not that, can you repeat that line, can you stop and start? It's just cameras roll, off we go. Mm. So that's, that's, that's fantastic. With Shark Tank, actually, I, I saw in an article recently that you said that each pitch actually goes for about two hours. Is that right? That was probably the longest pitch. And okay. um, so the ones that you sort of go, oh, my God, they, they, we, I don't even know why they put it forward, they go for probably 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And then the ones where you really want to sort of extract as much information out, they can go up to two hours. Wow. How long do they actually have to pitch? Uh, they've got – so they can't – so they walk through the, ga- the gates, the doors. They stand for a minute without – with you know, with nothing happening. Okay. Which I think that just makes them feel – nervous <laughs> what, they literally just stand there yeah and do nothing yeah is that why they're always looking so nervous when they start talking because yes, they <laughs> they've just been made to stand in awkward but, silence uh, and look I try and um, smile at them or nod or and then I look away and just do do whatever I'm doing probably google their business try and work out what they are not that, that ever works you never have enough time um the uh, and then they get three minutes to pitch their, their idea and then we get to ask questions, and then the question part can go for you know a long time. Mm. Oh, okay, so I'm really interested in learning more about what you look for in people who are pitching their ideas. So, my, like my podcast is all about communication skills and how do you stand out and be confident, and yep. that's you know that's what I want to talk to you about today. And because you're, I, I mean, when I saw you speak at the Women's Agenda Breakfast, you're you're obviously very confident, and I know you've had that for. Well, it seems like you've had that for a while, like when you were young and went traveling and just had no problem asking for things. So that's the sort of stuff I'd love to talk to you about today. So just going back to the the Shark Tank pitches, how much does confidence actually make a difference? I don't know if it's necessarily confidence. Confidence is, is important. If you know you're, what you're talking about, confidence can come. It's when you're sort of out of your league or you're trying to wing it. It's when you come across as unconfident. Um I th- so, but I think that with whether you're pitching for a show like Shark Tank or you, whether you're doing a joint promotion or whether you're selling your business or whatever, whatever it is, the key thing people always have to do is sit in both seats because for any deal to come through is you go, why is it a win for me and how can it be for the win for the person I'm talking to? If you're pitching and it's just about you and what you need, well, then you really – you're not going to get anywhere because it's like even if I'm doing a joint promotion with someone and I really want to do, um, I, I go, okay, they're a great brand alliance and, and they will be fantastic for us to get them on board. But before you even go near them is why would they? So mm. I put myself into their seat and I say, okay, why would they? Well, I can give them 
this much on websites, like this, 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 this. This is why they would use me and this is why it would be a win for them and this is why it would be a win for us. And once you've actually got a win-win, then it is a, um, and then it's a lot easier. It's a great easy sell because you're sitting there going, guy, how hard is it? I'm doing your, I'm nearly doing you a favor by pitching you this business. Like say, for example, um, Ash, who was Scrubber, who's, who's a business that I invested into. He sat there and said, okay, this is my business. And in your seat, not that he said this, but in your seat, you will get a good return because we are already cash flow positive. I'm going to be doing all the work. I'm going to be asking you there for the odd, odd advice. So, you know, he sat in our seat in his head and went, what would I want if I was them? And he gave it to us. And so we sat there and went, this is a no brainer, uh, because he gets it. He, I can, we can see quite clearly because he's given us the vision of what we get. Because at the end of the day, we're not a charity and it's not a game show. And whether we're doing a, a deal away from Shark Tank or on the show, what we're looking for is what's in it for me. And, and if we can get both people in line with, you know, the success of your business is a win for me and a win for me is the success of your business. Well, then that's, then, then it's a no brainer. But if you suddenly come in and go, I want your money, but I'm not going to give you the IP, which means you're not going to get any M side. And this is some of them did this. Um, I'm, I'm not going to give you, um, you know, I'm not going to give you, uh, the, the patent because that's mine, but I want your full money and I want an over inflated price. And you, you go, well, why, why would we? Because if you was, mate, if you were sitting in my chair, why would you do that? You know, because it's, what's that for me that I, I go on the journey with you. I give you all this money for it and then you make a huge success out of it. Great. But you wouldn't have done it without the money and without our advice, but we get no upside. Like you just have to put people in both positions and quite often, the big thing that happens with with young inventors or young investor young people starting businesses is that because they live and breathe it every day there's a point where they do need a lot of cash and the they often go they often think oh my god thank you thank you thank you for investing and giving me this cash because without the cash my business couldn't have got started and without your advice and some of your guidance wouldn't get started what happens as they start to develop more knowledge uh, more understanding and they work hard and they, you know, they're the ones doing seven days a week and I'm the one going to Tahiti. Um, they go, well, hang on, what business, what are you doing? And they forget that without the cash in the middle in the first place, they wouldn't have had the business what they had today. So sometimes there is a bit of a bell curve with, um, with investors and with, um, young businesses. And I think people just have to remember that, you know, sometimes cash is very valuable and without the cash, you can't get going because all young businesses are absolutely a vacuum for cash. <laughs> yeah, they'll just suck them up. They do. It does. <laughs> it's like this bottomless pit. Do you think that's because they think that they – do you think that they overspend? Um, it depends on the personality style. I mean, I was right. I was definitely not an overspender. I mean, I would do everything I could do to save money, including not pay myself, including work for my house, including, you know, n- really not having no very little expenses, you know, to a point where going, what do you mean you haven't printed both sides of the pr- paper? That's a piece of paper. Like I was, <laughs> you know, because I knew that every spent cent I wanted to spend had to make it a return. So I never got the big, I mean, I've, I've seen so many businesses that go, okay, I'm now a business owner. I need a, an office in Collins Street. I need a BMW because, you know, I look like success and I need a jacket. I need 10 staff and I need all this. And you go, really, you don't need it. In actual fact, 
you're worse off doing it that way because all your money that you've got in there will go to into like stuff that doesn't actually make a difference or doesn't make a doesn't make any money. Mm. So so it's very foolish, but you know, it's sometimes naivety and sometimes what happens is if you come from the corporate environment where money is lush, you know, uh, not lush, money is a uh, flush is the word, um, it then they sometimes struggle to adjust when it's their money because they're used to going, oh, that's all right, I'll go do a courier instead of thinking of a cheaper way. Oh, that's all right, I can, yeah. yeah with, so with <laughs> that corporate, which they have to learn pretty quick, that the cash goes pretty quick and sometimes there's not extra cash sitting there like there is in the corporate world. Yes, definitely. Just thinking about that, going the other way as well, like when you first start your business and it's very tempting to look at these sorts of jobs where there there is a lot of cash involved and you can and you kind of go oh it's really tempting to like have that amount of cash again so i think getting getting used to having that those low levels of cash and being really frugal and being wise about how you spend it i think that that's you know skill in itself <laughs> i think the interesting thing just on that point though is sometimes the worst thing that can ha- happen to a young up and coming business is having too much cash so if you right. get a big cash in, in injection, then you can waste that. But if you're really struggling every single month, you'll be very, very particular on every dollar that's spent. So sometimes uh, lots of money in the bank account can be to your detriment. Mm. The longer you're like that, do you think that just forces you to really appreciate what you do have and learn how to deal with those tough times? I think it makes you smarter because every cent that you spend is a, a well-spent cent. Um, and I think if you've got, you know, flush with money, mm-hmm. then you go, oh, that's all right. I won't put the research that I probably should into the marketing campaign or, or into that product development because there's more money that I've got there. I can lose that. It's no big deal. But in actual fact, it is a big deal. And, and if you did, if that was your last 50,000, would you spend it that easily? And, and the answer is probably no. So I think that sometimes, particularly early days, is you know enough money to keep you going, but probably not too much money because you, if you make mistakes with too much money, then you find you've got nothing. Yeah. I'd like to just go back to how uh, we were talking about just asking for things. And you don't seem to have a fear of asking for things because I know you like you shared stories about how when when you went traveling you talked yourself into jobs that you didn't have any experience for and that sort of thing is that has that always been the case for you um interesting I'm actually not very good at asking people for things okay funnily enough I (laughs) mean it seems to be (laughs) well that's going for jobs and stuff it's sort of I I don't like asking for favors I'm really happy to give favors but I don't I funnily enough I really don't like putting people out so if someone's so I um I don't find I find it really easy to ring up a friend and go or ring up uh, Leslie Gillespie or Roger Gillespie or Jerry Harvey and say, uh, will you meet me for coffee? Right. So, cause I actually don't know them and, and I needed, you know, that advice. But if, if I, I find it harder to sort of go, Oh, Jerry, do you mind, um, you know, doing a, uh, you know, doing me a favor on this? I find that harder to do if it's a favor. But if I, saw a joint promotion opportunity that I thought he could benefit from, I don't have an issue with that. So it's really, it's quite interesting because I'm, I love to give, but I'm not a, a, that great a taker. Well, I guess that what, that's what's helped make you successful because when you do ask people for things, you're making sure that it benefits them as well. I imagine you were like that when you 
ask people to invest in your business at the beginning. Yes, and I took that very seriously. Like, um, actually, the best thing probably that happened to me in the early days was getting investors, and not so much because they added value, which you know, Jeff did, and some of the others didn't. Um, but it's because I found, and I didn't suddenly I wasn't losing just my money, which was bad enough. Someone else had put money into me and trusted me, and I felt a burden of responsibility to make sure that I was I I respected and protected that do, those dollars that they gave me, and so it was an interesting one. So. In actual fact, also, before we got investors, I didn't do monthly reports, I didn't do monthly P&Ls. It was like I was too busy for that sort of stuff. I'll get to that later. But it was actually having investors where where we'd come together on a monthly basis and looked at the, the finances and looked at the numbers and looked where we worked, what was working, what wasn't working, which actually beca- we, I became a true businesswoman. Before that, I was you know, working it out and getting it and learning it, but, you know, yeah, I'll worry about the figures later. It was actually when when that happened that I truly became um, knew what I was doing, and you know, and that journey took 15 years to get to to fully know what I'm doing. I'm still learning, um, but with regard to the numbers, by actually being forced to do the numbers on a base to bus- a monthly basis, I could see where all my issues were, and by seeing your issues, you knew where to put your focus. And so, if you left it for six weeks or eight weeks, well, suddenly you've had eight weeks worth of doing the wrong thing without even realizing it. So the numbers are really important to have great discipline in making sure you do your monthly reports and your monthly P&Ls in monthly bank recs. If you don't do bank recs, then, you know, full on you. Um, so really having those disciplines early actually enabled us to, to have a very strong business. And it was funny because Jeff Harris was Flight Centre and Flight Centre at the time was, and it still is, is a publicly listed company. So he was kind enough to give me some examples of some reports he, that had. And so we, I went, okay, well, this is how you do it because I didn't have any other idea. So I was creating for this tiny business, like public listed type quality reports um, that actually put us in really, created a really good foundation for the business going forward. Mm. How did you meet Jeff, by the way? Um, I'd never heard of him before. He, um, I came into my, was we were actually working from my home at the time and there was a, a little message, you know, because back then, you know, we, it was all about messages and you called <laughs> back. Um, and there was a message on my desk saying, call Jeff Harris, um, you know, uh, from Flight Centre. And I went, okay, don't know what that's about. And, um, and at the time, the business had started to sort of have some attention from some people with some deeper pockets than us. And um, we met with Jeff, and he I'd never heard from him before. Heard of him before, and he introduced himself, and he said that he's stepping out of Flight Centre and is looking at uh, investing in other businesses, and thinks that he would be able to assist us in our journey. And uh, it, we probably worked with him for about four to five months before he invested, and it was us really getting to know him, him getting to know us, and even during that period, he gave us many amazing ideas and great advice in how to, to to grow a business. And there's not many people in the Australian market or even the world for that matter who has actually started a a business from absolute scratch or from, from an idea and made it a multi-international business. And he was one of them. And, you know, mm. Scrooge is another guy who I think is amazing who's who was Jeff's partner at Flight Centre. Right. So. So he was a um, he was a great mentor for me on my journey, particularly in the early days. What's one piece of advice that you learned from him that you find yourself passing on to other young businesses that you're mentoring? 
Um, there was a number of things. Different advice comes at different times of a business. Um, one of the things that he was talking about, it was something they do at Flight Centre, is is breaking when you as as the business gets bigger, it's it's more challenging in how to keep that culture right. And one of the things they studied at Flight Centre was the the family, tribe, and village, and keeping people in smaller groups. Uh, to actually maintain a really strong culture instead of becoming this win one big mass of people that you're trying to manage. And so that was something we worked quite well. So our whole business was broken into departments. So it was like uh, you've got a finance department, you've got a marketing department, you've got a legal department, you've got a franchising department and a digital department. And so they, they have their own departments, but not only their own departments, they have their own profit and loss and they have, they're accountable for that profit and loss. So. Right. So one of the things as we continued to grow bigger was actually create these pods where people were still accountable. And before we did that, there was just this thing called a black hole in expenses and no one was accountable, <laughs> you know, no one was responsible for it, so everyone spent, no one cared. It was it was a really interesting one and I, I wasn't sure how to solve that. But then by breaking the business down in accounting-wise and saying, okay, a finance team, obviously you don't make any money other than maybe a little bit of interest on, on money, but your budget for the year is minus 100000 because you're an expense department. Now you have to either beat that budget because people are responsible for their expenses, um, what they use with the photocopy machine, with their travel, their all of their things. So they're responsible for that. So if you beat that budget, we will incentivize you financially or, or with, with whatever that team wants at the time. So we looked at, and so that was something that we brought in very early because and that was definitely because of Jeff and that really started to drive the bottom line profit because suddenly everyone went oh actually I'm responsible for the you know for the the expenses or I'm responsible for you know traveling and not getting the cheapest price or the you know that I possibly can because I didn't book enough in advance or you know so it did create a culture of of um of you know, people really monitoring and watching their, their expenses. So I just have a couple more questions left, Janine, and they're from my friends actually, because I posted on Facebook, I said, I'm interviewing Janine Alice, and everyone's like, oh, oh, can you ask her this? <laughs> so, so one of those questions is from George, and he actually knows, he actually knows Bridget, um, your assistant. <laughs> he said, he said if, if you could be any animal, which animal would you choose to be and why? Um, I um I love the the cat world. With I'm not necessarily a fan of little cats, but the cat world I find that they're they're slick, they're smart, they're they're mm. beautiful, they're agile. So I think I'd be like a um yeah you know, a leopard or a a jaguar or one of those. You know, so I think um they're they're quite a beautiful looking animal. I don't know if that really depicts my my personality, but I think as an animal <laughs> or even the tiger, I mean they're just so majestic how they walk and slick and they 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 are they you respect them. You may not like them, but you respect them. Yeah. Particularly if they're coming up to you and they're gonna eat you. <laughs> I could totally see you as a leopard. Because <laughs> remember when? Because when I saw you, you had very earthy tones. Like you were wearing very earthy tones, and I remember someone said she's she's much more natural than like the corporate suit things that she wears, like on TV. So no, it is thought... probably probably my my natural probably what my natural thing is comfortable clothes. Yeah, and, and you know I look at my oldest son, I go, how did he become a hippie? And I think, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, next question from from my friends jada asks what's the worst advice you hear given to others repeatedly 
um, I'll get a bookkeeper. All right. Right. I think I, I look, when people sort of say, oh, you know, I've got a new business, you make sure you've got to have enough time to do your books, you get a bookkeeper. I think that's terrible advice. Because I think when you open and start a business, the the biggest thing you need to learn is about your business. And the only thing that will teach you about your business is actually the numbers that come through the books. And um, and one of the things I discovered when I was doing the books was things like I you know I'd go and negotiate all these prices for fruit and vegetables, and then the invoices would come in they were completely different to one negotiated. Now a bookkeeper wouldn't pick that up. You know when I did my numbers, I realised my wages blew out, or my cost of goods have blown out, or my expenses blew out, and Often, if you're not doing the accounts, then they, they're just inputting data. They don't care if it's right, wrong or whatever. They just input data. Yeah. So really to understand your books, particularly in the early days, one, it doesn't take very long. But if you truly understand your books, then you, then you are on the journey of understanding your business. And if you don't, then you'll find that the mistakes that you make will be harder to find and harder to discover and harder to fix. Yes. I have a lot of friends who are starting up their own businesses, so I think – that is very good advice for them. Okay, and Rachel asks, what is your number one tip for managing work-life health balance? Um, I think the number one tip is um, if you're starting a new business, I think quite often you, you're obviously watching every single cent, but what people want is they go, I wish I had more hours in the day. And it's difficult when you're starting a business because you are everything, you are doing everything. And my advice to people when they talk about that is I say, maybe the per first person you need to put on is a personal assistant. And they and people go, oh my God, hang on, I need an accountant, I need this, I need that. And I said, well, what do you really need? You go, well, I wish I had an extra 40% in my day. I go, okay, if you want, wish you had an extra 40% in your day, how much of your day is stuff that you do that you could pass on to someone else, like paying bills, being on the phone to Telstra, um, picking up dry cleaning. You know, for, in, in my case, it's managing my whole house, including my family. How much of that, which is, is you know, not necessarily difficult stuff, but stuff that has to be done, how much of that? And potentially it could be 40%. So if you had someone doing that for you, paying your bills, um, managing diary, booking flights, all that, you've suddenly given yourself 40% more of you. And and that 40% may be for, you know, you might go, okay, well, now I can do an hour of yoga in the morning or maybe I can sneak away for the to, to go to the gym instead of sneaking away to stand in a line with the bank. So I would suggest that people, um, to the only way to get more of yourself is to get someone to help you uh, with the stuff that you don't need to do. And then suddenly you find you're so much more productive to do the things in the business that makes it makes the most. Now I don't, um, you know, my you know Bridget is fantastic, and and but she does all of this, all of the areas um, that a you know traditional nearly wife would do. I mean, she pays bills, she sits on Telstra for me, she organises, you know, transport of furniture to things. She's you know, I've just my puppies just had my dogs just had nine puppies, I'm, and I've gone. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I know, she's she's beautiful, wow. and. And um, so she's helping me sort of, you know, with that. So now that's all stuff that I would have to do, but, and that would take me away from running the business. So mm. I'm a, um, a firm believer that, you know, quite often the, the first person you need is is support to make you more effective. Even for non-business owners? Look, I think that, you know, if you're a, you know, if you're a um, senior executive or even, you know, and if you can, if you've got the salary to be able to afford it, Absolutely. If you think that you come home, right, you've worked, you've worked an, 
you know, nine hour, 10 hour day and you get home and then you've got a whole pile of bills to pay. You've got dry cleaning to be done. You've got it. You know, there's a lot of stuff you just need to do. Well, you're up till 10 o'clock and you've got to start the next day. So when is there time for you? So, mm. yeah. And look, the reality is if you want to be highly successful in business, whether it's your own business owner or a senior executive, you know, forget life balance until you're about 40 because, you know, you know, you might squeeze in a holiday here and a health retreat there, and but really, you you have to give your soul to be truly successful. And you know, and fair enough. Sometimes people don't want it. People want to. Some people just want to go to work, do their job, leave at five, and that's okay. Just do a good job when you're there. But if you want to be the CEO of your business, or if you want to be a successful business owner, or if you want to be an Olympian or a top AFL footballer, well, something has to give. Yeah. One last question. It's really, really quick. Is it a job requirement of all Boost Juice mixologists to sing and dance at the same time whilst making a smoothie? Ha, absolutely. <laughs> the reality is, you know, we want people to have fun, you know, and not just fun with themselves, but fun with the customers. And we've always had that philosophy of, of um, you know, how do we get great customer services, hire great energetic people. And, you know, and they come in all shapes and sizes and they come in all ages. And, um, and you know, we have got a fantastic team of people, but, you know, that type of team tracks attracts that type of team. So you find someone who loves to have fun, they walk past a booth and go, oh, my God, I want to work there. Um, instead of going past something else, they go, then they're miserable and gloomy. Why would you want to work there? So, you know, so we make sure that the uniforms are fun and funky. Yeah. <laughs> we make sure that, you know, that they're involved in the process. And, and, you know, it's a physically hard job. So it's, it really suits that person with that has high energy because you just, it seriously, you just go for it. And, you know, on a busy, busy, um, diet boost it is you you know suddenly you start and suddenly it's four hours later and you go oh my god it's finished so it's <laughs> physically demanding i mean every single franchisee that starts with the business lose five kilos so you know, it's not just not all the juice that they're drinking <laughs> no, no, it's like, oh, what have I done? it is you know so if you want to lose you know forget diets just work a boost <laughs> awesome well thank you so much janine for making juices fun and creating awesome um, work environments for people and also for sharing all your knowledge with the listeners today I really appreciate it no worries Christina massive thank you to Janine Alice for giving up her time to join me on the show and for sharing her wisdom I actually feel a little bit more excited now about doing my financials Janine says it's important so I may as well enjoy it <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode and got something out of it, I would love to hear your thoughts. Just leave a comment at the show notes at thecmethod.com slash boost. Or you can tweet me at cjcanters is my Twitter handle. So yeah, I'd love to hear from you. What did you learn from Janine? And that's all for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you. You know, this podcast has been growing more and more each week. Trust me, I've been watching the stats and it's been amazing to see and it's all because of you. So thank you. I will see you next week. This has been episode 20 of Stand Out, Get Noticed. I'm Christina Cantors. Keep on being awesome. Did you guess the song? But you didn't. It's Hey Soul Sister by Train. <laughs>
See you next week, peeps.